Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's Wednesday, January 20th, 2021. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And hey, Chet, the Eagles coaching search continues. The Sixers' COVID situation actually created a game cancellation. And of course, we have Joel Embiid to talk about. That's a surprise. Uh, the Flyers have opened the season three and one, showing some real good things and not so good things. So, uh, but three and one's good. The Phils are making some moves to strengthen the bullpen. There's a JT offer on the table. And oh, by the way, Chet, Jake Forachek is on line two for you, my friend. <laughs> hey, you should hear what Jake has to say about you, man. It's not just Mike Silski he doesn't <laughs> like, pal. Uh, we're going to talk about Jake and maybe Silski on the Flyers later. But uh, I know how happy you are to have hockey back and the Flyers looking good, as you said. They're three and one start, so you can't complain about that. Meanwhile, we continue to wait for the Eagles to hire a head coach. Yeah, I mean, the, the – Rumors are out there. Uh, Josh McDaniel, Deuce Staley as the two finalists, whether that's a rumor or not, we'll find out uh, because we have a great guest tonight and one of our favorites from Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon Lee Gowton. He'll be talking to us about all that and, and Eagles talk and some Sixers talk as well. And I can't wait to get BLG's take on Jeffrey Lurie's presser from last week. We have no shortage of questions for Brandon, Bill, including how wild has his beard gotten since we last saw him back in mid-September? Remember, it was like about five inches long. Let's see Let's see if how he's doing with that right now. Let's bring him on, shall we? Here we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is. The new look, or the old look, I guess. Yeah, looks good, man. Hey, Brandon, welcome Thank you. back Thank to you. Philly Press Box Radio, my friend. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to be here, as always. All what, right, thanks for, uh, you know, talk about. tidying yourself up. You look good, Brandon. All right, let, let's get to it. Uh, so much to discuss, and we have to talk first, I guess, about the search for a new head coach, Brandon. I, I think they've interviewed pretty much everybody except the three of us, maybe. Uh, what type of coach do Jeff and Howie want, and is Josh McDaniels the front runner or not? Can you hear us? Ah. <sighs> You might be at this point, <laughs> and I take a heavy yeah. sigh uh, because there's reason to be skeptical about that. Um, you know, I think it's kind of crazy uh, the the situation the Eagles are in. I think you know, talk that they didn't really expect to be having a coaching search fully after the season. So you know, they're interviewing a lot of candidates. Um, I do think Josh McDaniels is liked there. I think it sounds like Howie Roseman uh, likes him a lot. Um, there's reason to like him in terms of you see the Patriots' success on offense, and if you're just looking at the numbers, it looks pretty good. But you, when you add in the context of a guy who, you know, uh, spurned the the Colts or you know backed out of the job that he was going to take there, and obviously had a lot of failures in Denver. He went what like 11 and 19 there, and alienated his starting quarterback immediately. And there was a lot of issues there. There's a lot of reason to be concerned. So. Yeah. Um, 
I think he might be the guy. You know, Nick Sirianni is kind of coming on here too. The Eagles interviewed the Colts offensive coordinator recently. And I think uh, the way I think about that is, you know, they couldn't hire Andy Reid again. So they got Doug Peterson back in 2016. And now it might be a case of they can't get Frank Reich. So they're just going to get the next closest thing, which would be Nick Sirianni. Now, what, what about Eric Bieniemy? Uh, is he is he going to get in the mix here? You know, Andy Andy uh, gave some positive words for him yesterday. Um, you know, are they waiting until the Chiefs get through a buy, get to a bye week if they continue on playing, or where, where's Bieniemy stand in this? <clears throat> yeah, for as popular as a name as he is, it doesn't seem like there's any serious interest yet. There was an NFL Network report that they were going to request an interview, but so far. There hasn't been any indication that they've actually done that. And as we know, uh, he can't actually interview with the Eagles unless the Chiefs, you know, give him permission. But even then, it would still be a virtual interview, wouldn't be allowed to be in person yet. So since there's been no buzz on that front, um, I'm guessing he's really not so much on the Eagles' radar. Well, you uh, heard Bill mention the Jeff Lurie presser from a little over a week ago. Uh, It was kind of weird. I mean, how dysfunctional are the Eagles right now? Because they certainly sounded dysfunctional. The biggest thing that stood out to me was just like the lack of accountability. It's just like, you know what? Uh, <clears throat> we're doing great here. 35 wins in the last three years before this one, everything. We, we know what we're doing. Trust us. Um, it was a bizarre press conference, I think, in terms of misplaced confidence is, is how I'd put it. Um, it wasn't very satisfying. I think a lot of fans have been frustrated. And uh, not that it's going to be easy to placate fans, you know, after a down season. But still, I just I didn't come away from that press conference feeling encouraged about where the the direction of this team is moving. In. Yeah. Did the did the way things all unfolded with with Doug Peterson and, and the Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts, where whatever that's actually in this mix or what? Um, what's your take on that? Did you expect this to happen with Peterson this quick? And uh was it quarterback related or was it just philosophy related, which is what Lori made it sound like to me? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, a lot of different factors here. I think you look at the proposed changes, you know, that Doug reported like rumoredly that was put out there and it, they didn't really seem all that convincing in terms of promoting press Taylor to offensive coordinator and bringing back Corey Unlin potentially as your defensive coordinator uh, just seemed like not the most inspiring hires necessarily. Um, So I kind of get it from that perspective. I also think it's absolutely relevant that we saw reports coming out a couple weeks before the end of the season that Carson Wentz wanted to be traded, and all of a sudden Doug Peterson gets fired, and the reports are coming out that uh, actually they want Carson Wentz to be the quarterback here, and that Carson Wentz, there's a greater chance of him being this team's quarterback with Peterson gone. Uh, I don't know it's as... Uh, it was as direct of a one-to-one. It was like either Doug or Carson, and that's what the decision came down to. I don't think it's quite that simple. Again, I think other factors at play, but it was a factor. It's not not a factor. Well, on that front, Carson Wentz, uh, Jeff McClain from the Inquirer over the weekend wrote an interesting story elaborating on some of the things we've heard occasionally over the last year or two that maybe Carson Wentz isn't the great guy we first thought he was, that he alienates some teammates, that he can be tough to coach. What can you tell us about all of that, and does that make it more likely that he'll be back or more likely that they're going to try to trade him? Yeah, well, I mean, when you're looking at his trade value right now, it doesn't feel like it's super high coming off this terrible season and then a report like that. I mean, look, we've heard this stuff about him going back to 2019, January 2019, when that first Philly Voice story came out. And speaking of that story, you know, I had Joe Santoliquido on BGN Radio this year, back in September, way before Carson Wentz even started struggling. So this wasn't agenda-driven or anything. We just we had a conversation because I kind of had heard from him about areas that Carson Wentz had progressed in terms of being a leader. Um, so we talked about that, but we also talked about where he kind of still needs to grow. And at the time, one of the things we talked about was Carson Wentz really not being coachable and having too much influence over the offense in terms of being able to dictate the offense at the line of scrimmage and not fully, uh, you know, giving the coaching staff maybe enough trust and and allowing them to kind of do what they need to do to coach the team and him execute it as much. So uh, I definitely think it's nice to say, in theory, the Eagles just need to fix Carson Wentz. And, yeah, that would be great, and I agree, in theory, and I'd like to see that happen, 
Um, but I don't know how realistic that is if Carson Wentz isn't going to look inward and realize he needs fixing because by all indications to this point, I'm not seeing that he's been humbled by his benching. I'm seeing that he doesn't think he should have been benched because apparently in that story you referenced, he went to Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman and he complained that he got benched. So uh, that's just not encouraging to me. Well, Brandon, you do a lot of interviews and and you write a lot of stuff. And I guess the, the thing that troubles me about the McLean article is unnamed sources, unnamed sources, unnamed sources. You know what? I can sit here and write a story too of unnamed sources and make it read anything I want. Uh, that, that troubles me. What do, do the guys that you interview a lot, do they say, Hey, you know, we can talk, but leave me out of this. I mean, that it just bothers me. Yeah, I get that. I, I think, so where it comes from, I think in part is that there's a fear of retribution, especially when you're looking at the subject matter here, like Carson Wentz clearly has a lot of power and influence in this organization. So if you speak out against him, I don't think you're going to end up in a good spot. I mean, I think we saw Doug Peterson in some way or another kind of speak out against Carson Wentz, or maybe not with his words, but with his actions in terms of benching him and whatnot. And, uh, you know, he's not here anymore. So I think there's absolutely a fear of retribution when it comes to that stuff and, and kind of players or, or coaches wanting to say things anonymously. I think sometimes, too, not with just the intent of trashing a guy, but kind of hoping it'll spark change once it gets out there. Speaking of guys, uh, you know, not coming back, we don't know about Carson Wentz yet, but there's going to be a lot of changes on this roster going into next season. We know that. Give me some names. I mean, is there any chance Alshon Jeffrey is back? Deshaun Jackson, please tell me he's not coming back. Jason Peters wants to play another year. He better not be back. Who will definitely be gone from this roster? I mean, I, I those guys better all be gone. I think you nailed it. I mean, uh, it's weird because for, you know, as bad of a season as the team had, um, in a, any kind of given situation, you would think, you know, there's going to be a lot of change. And I think there will be change. Obviously, there's going to be a new coaching staff. There are going to be some tweaks here. But when we look at where they are financially and overthecap.com did a study on this earlier in the season, like they kind of ranked all the rosters in terms of flexibility. And the Eagles are at the bottom of the list. Like they're committed. They have a lot of money committed to these players. It's not like they can make sweeping changes across the board and totally gut this roster I mean, they're actually going to have to give like more money. This are they're not necessarily more money, but they're going to have to restructure some of these contracts, like a Brandon Graham, for example, or even a Darius Slay. Some of the older players on their team just to get under the cap this year. So uh, it's not a great spot. But I think you know the obvious guys like Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, um, Jason Peters, like you mentioned. I just, I mean, I and and part of me believes like I can't fully believe it until I see it because this team has been saying these past couple off seasons, we need to get younger. We need to get younger. And then they haven't, but I mean, you have to figure this is finally the time, right? Like this, this has to be the time. Right. What, what about, uh, are we pretty sure Zach Ertz has played his last game and what do you, what's your take on Jason Kelsey at this point? I mean, I think Jason Kelsey should retire. Like, I mean, what is he, what is he staying around for at this point? I mean, I, I love the guy. I hope he keeps playing forever in a perfect world, but I just think, when you look at the way this team is trending and how he's really sacrificed his body for this team, you know, I just don't know so much what's to be gained. Maybe he requests a trade. I don't know. I think he should just retire. I think that's probably the best option for him. Um, who was the other one you mentioned? Zach. Uh, Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. Zach Ertz. Um, I think he thinks he's played his last down. And I think, I think we all know that really. Right. I mean, he clearly wants a new deal and he's not going to be getting that here. And, you know, Dallas Goddard is on the rise here. And I just don't think uh, it's going to work out for either side, really, to be connected here. And look, again, I, I mentioned the cap just a little bit ago. I mean, the Eagles need to clear cap space, and trading Zach Ertz is one of the ways they can do that. Phillip Rivers retired today. Uh, so there's an opening at quarterback in that spot. Uh, does that increase the chances maybe that Wentz would be dealt there? Yeah, I mean, it's a logical connection, right? Uh, Frank Reich, Carson Wentz. Now, in that McLean story that you referenced, um, there's some sourcing there that doubted that, or questioned, I should say, uh, if Frank Reich would really even want to work with Carson Wentz. Um, and from what I've heard, that is not like a crazy thought and totally not baseless. So uh, I definitely think 
it's not I mean just let's look at the Carson the year Carson Wentz just had you know he's like arguably the worst starter in the NFL I don't think the Colts are like banging down the Eagles door to get him after that kind of season uh not to mention the contract and the compensation and then the other quarterbacks who could be out there like Matt Stafford might be out there I mean I think that might be a more appealing option to the Colts than Carson Wentz right now and having to fix this guy so uh, I definitely think it's out there it's going to be a consideration. I would expect the Colts to come calling about him and gauge the level of interest. But ultimately, I just I, I don't think they're going to you know make some huge offer to get him. Well, Brandon, sit sit back and uh, look in your crystal ball. Uh, who are you drafting? Who are you drafting? This team is full of holes. Uh, Devontae Smith sure made a show. Uh, I'm not sure he's there. There's some quarterbacks that are going to go early. Um, Michael Parsons is also probably going to be on the board early. Who you like? I think one of the two receivers is the way I'm really feeling right now. And it depends. I think one of them will probably be there. I don't know which one it'll be. I think, you know, there was a lot of thought. I think uh, that Jamar Chase was definitely the number one guy uh, for most of the season. But then, you know, Devonta Smith has that kind of tear uh, that he did to end the year and wins the Heisman, and I think there's a real chance that he could go as high as three to the Dolphins, depending what they do there. So, But I think either Chase or Smith will be there for the Eagles, and I'd be pretty happy with either one, really. Hey, I listen to WIP occasionally. They occasionally have had you on there in the past, Brandon. And I heard John Ritchie last week talking about Micah Parsons, basically saying he's not a great guy. He's a very good player, but that he's met him a few times and that he's uh, – you know, kind of obnoxious, wants to do his own thing. Have you heard anything on that end regarding Micah Parsons? I have not in terms of in detail, but I have seen that. There's some kind of questions there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think the Eagles are taking a linebacker at number six overall to begin with. I mean, you know, we all know what it's been since 1979 since they've done that, Jerry Robinson. So uh, I'm not expecting that, and especially if there are going to be character questions. I, I wanted to go back for just a second on Josh McDaniel. Uh, is it true, or do you know that it's true? Did he take basically an entire staff down there for the interview process? I, I, I thought I had read that. Uh, that seemed kind of odd that it was an eight-hour interview, and he took his big guns down with him. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't bring Tom Brady with him because they were they were pretty good together. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about uh, bringing a staff in terms of actually physically being there or anything. But I think, um, like, the the buzz is that, like, McDaniels does have an idea of a staff assembled uh, in the case that he does get hired and, and is ready to go in that regard. And I think, again, one of the – if I'm looking for positives about Josh McDaniels, I think you can look at some of the assistants he's hired or at least he had lined up for even that coach job. I mean, you look at their defensive coordinator, uh, Matt Eberfuss, from the Cowboys. I mean, that was a great hire. He was getting some head coaching buzz this year. That Colts defense was pretty good. So uh, if you're looking for a positive for him, maybe it's that that staff that around him could be a good one. Um, but yeah, I don't know about that in terms of being there at the interview. So there's only two head coaching jobs open right now, I guess Houston and the Eagles. Doug Peterson apparently is not going to be a head coach this year. Uh, do you see him maybe becoming an OC somewhere or is he just going to take a year off like he hinted? Yeah, I think he's going to take a year off. I mean, I think it, he, there was less bow, and he told that he's leaning that way. And I think it makes all the sense in the world for him to do so. I mean, he's had to deal with a lot of BS, really, here with the Eagles. Um, he's taken a disproportionate amount of blame, I would say. Not to say Doug was blameless for the Eagles' struggles, but look, I mean, there's a personnel problems here. There's, you know, player problems here. Uh, quarterback, you know, there's a lot of issues here. And he was the one who had to answer for a lot of it in terms of being out there every week multiple times in front of me and the media. So um, I think it would be great for him to get a year off. He deserves it. Um, it's, you know, it's a pandemic right now. Spend some time with your family. Uh, he's getting paid through 2022. So why not take a year? I mean, he's getting paid anyway. Why not take a year off? Yeah. Hey, we, we have been remiss to not mention Deuce Staley. Uh, certainly he, hopefully he earns a shot at this job, whether he gets it or not. What do you think about Staley's chances of becoming a head coach of the Eagles or anywhere else? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, Howard Eskin on WIP said, I believe on Tuesday night, that he thinks it's kind of either down to do Staley or Josh McDaniels. And a lot of players are apparently texting Jeffrey Lurie uh, in support of 
Deuce Daly, and I think we've seen that publicly too. I know Brandon Graham, Brian Dawkins, Malcolm Jenkins, Tori Smith, Rodney McLeod are among players who have uh, publicly voiced they would like to see Deuce Daly promoted to head coach. Uh, just before I came on the show here, I was reading an article from uh, the great Paul Domowicz for you know the Inquirer, and he had kind of mentioned that I guess Carson Wentz, not always the biggest fan of Deuce Daly, or at least the way uh, in terms of the intensity of being coached and being coached hard and whatnot. So it would seem that if Carson Wentz does have influence in this process, which I would say is a problem, then maybe Deuce Daly is not the most likely candidate. Huh, interesting. Hey, before we talk a uh, little Sixers, I want to ask you about this weekend's games. Should be a couple of good ones. The Battle of the Bays, you got Tampa Bay and Green Bay, and then the Bills and Chiefs. Who you like, Brandon? I really like the Packers in the NFC Championship game. I think Aaron Rodgers this season has really kind of been all about him. I know the Bucks beat Green Bay back in week six, but I think Rodgers is not going to be stopped twice like that. I think he's on a different level right now. And that Green Bay has some playmakers too. I mean, you look at Zadarius Smith. This guy has been, I think, a crazy underrated signing. Is 29 sacks and 35 games for the Packers since joining them last year. Um, I think they're going to be, to be able to get after Tom Brady a little bit. And uh, so I like the Packers in the NFC Championship game. And I actually like the Bills in the AFC Championship game. I know it's crazy probably to to bet against Patrick Mahomes, who seems like he's going to play. We'll see against uh, Buffalo there. But I just think the Bills, there's something special about them. I think they're hungry for this. I think they're going to want it more than the Chiefs did, you know, just coming off the Super Bowl win and maybe some level of complacency a little bit there. I think Buffalo is finally going to get this thing done. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. Wow. There you go, Bill. Wow. <laughs> All right. Whew, you caught me off guard on that one. Actually, on both of those. But, uh, you know, I always I always look at it, Brandon, whenever we do our little picks, uh, I, I never go against Brady and I never go against Rodgers. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's All switch right. it up. Talk a little basketball. What do you think, Bill? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Sixers, Brandon, nine and four as we speak. They got the Celtics this evening. They should be pretty healthy again very soon. Seth Curry not playing tonight, but hopefully back soon after the little COVID thing. Uh, how are you liking this new look Sixers team so far, Brandon? Uh, it's encouraging. You know, I think at the oh. end of last year, uh, I was just in such a bad spot with them in terms of not feeling confident, not feeling good. And they brought in Doc Rivers. I'm like, okay, it's, I think that's a good hire. Um, but I, I didn't think the coach fixed everything. They still need a you know a good GM in here and get the the roster looking better. And sure enough, they hired Daryl Morey, and I think he's done a great job in terms of putting shooters on the team. It's bringing a smile to my face, like just thinking about it. Like, oh, you guys can shoot on the team now. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so it's been great to see. It's been great to see some of the young guys stepping up, like Shake Milton and um, uh, Tyrese Maxey. I and mean, it's it's just great. It's like it's a really awesome uh, vibe right now with this team in terms of. You know, the young guy stepping up and everything. My only thing, my only concern, you know, is just, you know, the Ben Simmons element. You know, obviously not playing up to snuff. And really just the, you know, the bigger kind of concern I have is like, is this team doing everything to maximize Joel Embiid, who I think is having an MVP kind of caliber season? And I just, I hope they do. And I hope they are in the end. And I don't know if Ben Simmons does that. Bill, go ahead. I know you got to say something. I, I, I do. I do. I wasn't <laughs> laughing at you, Brandon. I th- that, that picture he threw up there was a setup because he had to throw Mr. Softy's picture up there. What is with this guy that he plays one good game and he's got to oh. sit out a couple? Or he just has to lay out. You know what? They ain't winning nothing with him. They're not doing it. He's not an MVP. He, he can't no. be. He can't be when he doesn't show up every night. I, I was texting Chet the night he had, what do you have, 39 points or something like that? 40, 45 or 46, Anywhere. I think. And I said, I bet you it'll, he'll earn two days off, two games <laughs> off for for this. Yeah, and he took the weekend off. I know. Two days off. <laughs> I, I love Joe. Bill's a, fan. Bill's a big fan. Oh, I can't. I get it. it. <laughs> I get it. Show up and play, man. Oh, my. But Sorry, anyway. Uh, I digress. Getting back to Simmons, uh, does it matter if he shoots – the 12 footer or the 15 footer or can they win with him with the game that he has? I'm not sure that they, they can because I mean, when they play, you know, Boston or some of these other teams now, they know he drives the lane. He's not going to go in. He's just going to pass it back out. And uh, I don't think that he's improved all that much over the last four seasons that he's been playing. His numbers are essentially the same. As a matter of fact, if I look at it, his, uh, 
Average is down to 12.3 this year. It's always been around 15 or 16. The assists are about the same. The rebounds are up one per game, but he's just not shooting and not scoring. I need to see more out of Ben. It's almost like Carson Wentz. Like it's the same kind of thing where it's like, I don't know that this player thinks they need to improve as much as they, we all see it and we think they exactly. do. And it's, it's just like, it's kind of, it's super frustrating because you know, this player's talented, you know, they're capable. They have a high ceiling, but if you just look at, you know, how they're not really improving, like we haven't seen Carson Wentz improve. We haven't seen Ben Simmons improve. It's frustrating. And I think uh, you can say shooting, whatever, like it's about ultimately the bottom line. He has to become a better half court player. Like even if he's not going to become, you know, some kind of automatic shooter or great shooter, can you at least get to the rim a little bit more and, you know, and start making your free throws? Like that would be a, a good step in the right direction, but we can't even see that. So I am just kind of at the point with Carson Wentz, with Ben Simmons, where it's just like I can't I'm, I can't tell myself that I have confidence in him improving and thinking this is going to change because we're just seeing the same thing over and over. Exactly. Well, and, you know, the frustrating thing to me about that is, you know, Brett Brown got a lot of heat because of what Simmons was doing, and Simmons is doing exactly the same thing now under, under Doc. Um, you know, obviously it's the player. It's not yep. – it's, it's a whole different staff here treating him differently and trying to work with him differently, but same results so far. Absolutely. That's, that's the key thing. Like it's, you know, the, the coach can only do so much, you know, the player it has to start with them. It has to start with the player. A great coach can help, I think, but they can't do all the work for the player. So the Harden trade didn't happen, of course, with the Sixers. Should they still consider trading Simmons if they could, you know, do something with Bradley Beal or uh, Levine or, or somebody, can they consider trading Simmons at this point still? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't just, you know, trade them just to trade them. But, I mean, they right. like it's in a spot where they, they have to be careful, though, because, I mean, I just think you, you want to sell high, you know, ideally, um, or, or get max return for him. And I just don't know what that's going to be. I feel like it's only going to keep going down because it's going to be the same player, ultimately. Now, he's having a bad stretch right now, so maybe it'll bounce up a little bit. But just talking about the, you know, the bigger uh, the picture here, I yeah, I just, I think I cannot believe that, Ben Simmons being on this team is maximizing Joel Embiid. And I think that's a problem. Well, and, and you know, I, I was actually checking to get be sure I had the right number. He's still just 24 years old. Um, there, there's a lot of growth in this guy. He's in his fifth season. This is his fifth season with the Sixers. So, you I know, mean, he took the first year off for the foot, though. He didn't yeah. play that first season. That's right. So, I mean, he's, uh, he's still just a kid. There's certainly... I wouldn't be giving up on him. He's a six foot eleven guy that runs the court. Uh, you know, I think if he dishes it out and they do have shooters this year, he's got a chance to open some things up. We certainly want to see him score more, but I'm not certainly not ready to give up on the guy. All right. I agree. Final question on the Sixers, Brandon. Uh, with the Bucks still the favorites, I guess, in the East, the Nets clearly much better with Harden. Uh, if the Sixers don't make a trade, how far can they go? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think they're maxing out potentially really at Eastern Conference uh, finals kind of team. I don't, I feel like I don't have a good like uh, sense of the rest of the league yet, you know, just early in the year and, and how the Nets are going to work out even um, to, to like make it about the other teams as much and say, oh, the Sixers definitely can't get by that team. I just, I'm looking at it from like their perspective and obviously, you know, we need to see, for as much as I love him, uh, and as Bill will say here, we need to see Joe, you know, turn it up a little bit more in the playoffs and get, you know, the most out of him and him showing it, showing up uh, night in and night out. And we need to see, you know, Ben Simmons not be this huge hindrance that he has been in the playoffs once they get to the second round, like he has been to this point. So uh, until I see that, uh, again, I'm not just going to blindly believe it. So I think, you know, it might be, unfortunately, another second-round exit unless they do, you know, something big here and they shake up the roster and Maury kind of finds a way to uh, maximize and beat more. But right now, um, you know, I, I, like they're going to not win zero playoff games like they did last year. I think they're going to be better than they did last year, but I still don't know that they're quite there yet. All right. Hey, Brandon, before we run out of time, uh, we wanted you to have time to talk to the viewers, let them know where all they can find, what you're doing, what Bleeding Green Nation's doing. You've got all kinds of platforms, and you're a busy man. You could say that, yeah. And thank you for having me on. Uh, obviously, you can check me out at bleedinggreennation.com. Uh, check out the podcast, 
uh, Bleeding Green Nation, uh, BGN Radio. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Brandon Gowton. You can check out the national NFL show I'm doing for, uh, that's called the SB Nation NFL show. Um, so check that out as well. Uh, I think that's about it. Sounds good. You, you have anything special you're working on with the draft? Uh, not thinking about it for a little bit, hopefully. You just because time. you got time. Just because, yeah, yeah the, the mock drafts are going to, we have what, till like late April here? It's going to drive me crazy. I'm going to, it gets to about like early April. And I'm like, all right, come on, let's just start this thing. Let's get the yeah. clock running. There'll be about 20 mock drafts between now and then, at least. Oh, oh absolutely. Absolutely. We don't even all know right, what Brandon. order they're going to be in. All right, Brandon. Hey, thanks as always for coming by. We appreciate you. And uh, let's do it again. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks. All right, Jet, let's talk insurance. If you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we got the spot for you. Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. Yes, sir, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate Insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs. Someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what is most important to you and your family. So give Dave a call. He is at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania at number 610-430-0700. Once again, 610-430-0700. Hey, everybody. It's Willie Nile here, and you're listening to Chet and Bill on Philly Press Box Radio. You lucky people. Oh, got to like Willie. Love Willie. Love Willie. Hey, Jet, Flyers opened the season, sweeping the two-game set over the Penguins, playing real well. Then he followed it with a stinker against the Sabres Monday night. Bounced back Tuesday night with a 3 nothing win with Moose in the in the goal. Uh, some positives and some negatives in the first week of the season. Uh, did I mention Jake Borchek wants to talk to you <laughs> online, too? I so wanted to see Jake doing a post-game Zoom presser last night because he did score a goal. And then have Mike Sealski ask him another question. Didn't happen. And if people don't know what we're talking about from a few days ago, look it up. It was great. But uh, anyway, Bill, yeah, after playing very poorly in that Monday night, drubbing at the hands of the Sabres, they got to go right back at it with that same Buffalo team last night, Tuesday night. And, yeah, it was great to see Brian Elliott in there stopping all 40 shots. I'd like to see the defense, you know, prevent some of those shots. That's that's a lot of you know pucks fired at the goalie. On the downside, though, some injuries, Bill, already here in the young season. Coots is out for a while. Morgan Frost just back in the lineup, and he gets hurt. Don't know how serious that is. Phil Myers, though, looks like he's going to be out a little bit, uh, waiting for details on that. So four games into the season, they already got three injuries. Yeah, well, when we talked to Chris Terrian last week, we talked about injuries, and we said this was going to happen. And uh, unfortunately, it has already struck. And, uh, you know, Chad, a couple of the the positives for this team is, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Brian Elliott. Uh, Travis Konechny has started the season kind of on fire. He's playing yeah. well. Um, but on the negative side, Carter Hart struggled in almost every game. He, he played good in the one game where he helped them out, but he struggled a bit even in the wins and uh, was, was god-awful in the night they lost. And the other big thing is they're giving up a lot of shots. Yeah, that's They've what I said. Shot three of the four games. And, uh, you know, they, they got to get better at that. Yeah, you can't be giving up 40 shots a game all the time. That is not good because, I mean, you know, the more shots, chances are a few of them are going to get past the goalie. So a lot of that is on the defense, and I'm sure Elaine Vigneault is well aware of that situation and is probably working on that as we speak. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, what's your take on, on the Carter Hart uh, situation? Uh, just just not the, the, the night that he got taken out uh, when they got beat 6-1. to one. He just was not uh, not focused. Let's go with that word. I, he's made some great saves, though, too, in those first two games. But, uh, yeah, there's just, I think, too many pucks coming his way. And he did, I think one was on a giveaway that he he himself caused. So uh, that was a problem. But I didn't get to see any of the Monday night game. And I did check the score occasionally. I'm kind of glad that I didn't watch it because I, I looked and they were already down 3 nothing, And soon after that 4 nothing, I thought, I'm not going to watch this. So uh, I'm glad I missed that one. But, uh I still have faith in him. He, he's a young guy, just, what, 21, 22 still. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's the goalie of the future. We know that. He'll be fine. It is just four games, long way to go. Absolutely, absolutely. There's certainly nothing to panic about. Uh, no. And all indications are he's a focused kid and uh, 
he'll, he'll get it back together. But uh, and every so often, you're going to play 56 games. You're going to have a stinker out there somewhere, and uh, hopefully, hopefully they got that one out of their system. Have you gotten used to seeing the TCS uh, advertisements on the helmets yet? Yeah, I just try to ignore all that. <laughs> you know, that just is what it is. What are you going to do? I figured. What are you going to do? <laughs> um, hey, I, I did want to say to you, though, Chet, uh, that Voracek thing with Mike Sealski was really kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, I guess it goes back maybe all the way to 2016 or maybe 19. I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. but Yeah, I think it was 19 from what I heard, from what yeah, I saw. But it, it looks well. If I guess if you go back, I didn't do it, but I saw where somebody did went all the way back to 2016 and Silski said some things like Voracek can't even spell defense and, mm. you know, some, some tweets that didn't go well. Um, <laughs> but man, I, I'm sure Mike didn't realize we've had Mike on here with us. He's an interesting kind of guy, but didn't realize that uh, Jake was waiting in the weeds. Yeah, that was really interesting. Uh, <laughs> probably caught Mike off guard because uh, boy, <laughs> And then, and who was it? Connecting next to him? Yeah, oh yeah, he was. The best <laughs> I love the looks that he gave. Like, whoa, <laughs> that was funny as hell. Good, good stuff. Good. Oh stuff. man, go Flyers! Right, well, we'll be talking a whole lot more Flyers as the season goes on. And uh, hey, they're three and one. Gotta like that. That's the best part. Yep, a win is oh. a win. All right. Well, hey, let's give out a, sh- a shout out to our partners at the Edge of Philly Sports Network and their shows. You can check out the Broad Street Bully Podcast now. Drew, Jeff, and Doyle talking Flyers hockey. The Bird's IQ every Monday, 7 p.m., live with Kyle and Eric Quinn. Of course, they talk all things Eagles. Edge of Philly Sports live with Fred, Joe, and Big Al cover four for four, all four sports and so much more Philly sports. Watch them live Wednesdays at 9.30 p.m. And join Tom Kelly and the gang at the Patterson Avenue Fanatics Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. They're also talking all things Philly sports. So you can check out all the shows at www.eopsports.com. Help us out by hitting those subscribe, follow, and like buttons. And as always, share with your family and friends. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And don't forget to sign up for that uh, newsletter that comes out each week, Chet. Uh, I get it. You get it. And we're in it. And so is uh, all the shows. So um, check it out. Yeah, even though we're in it, get it anyway. It's good. That's right. <laughs> All right, Chet. Uh, great guest tonight, as always, in Brandon Lee Galton. And uh, every time he joins us, he's he's always great. So, uh, who you got coming next week? I was wondering if you you were like you know trying to throw me off. Or you you moved this way up in the show. We usually don't promote the next week show till like forty five or fifty minutes in, but uh, I see it here on the schedule, so I'm going to tell you about it. Well, you ready? Tell. Well, Bill. I don't know if we can convince Jake Voracek to join us, but we will have the Inquirer.com's Mike Sealski joining us live next week. And he knows he's going to be asked about it, and I'm sure he'll have some fun with it. So uh, Mike Sealski to talk all things Philly sports, including whether he's had a chance to sit down and have a Wawa hoagie with Jake Voracek. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Right. If you don't know the Wawa Hoagie story of Mike Steelsby, you need to know that too. That'll be a lot of fun with Mike. And uh Mike always always writes on the edge a little bit. So a little edgy stuff. So it's uh it's good. And obviously we have some good stuff to talk about. And who knows, maybe Jake will show up. And Mike's working on a book. I think it's about Kobe Bryant. Am I right? And uh, I know he's well over halfway into that. So we'll get a progress report on that and when we can expect it. And you know, Mike is a great writer. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah. Hey, one other thing on the Flyers, Chet, uh, now that the season started. How do you like Scott Hartnell and Taryn Hatcher in pre and post game uh, in between periods? How do you like that group? I like Taryn Hatcher a lot. And <laughs> <laughs> not so big on uh, Taryn does a great job. And they tell me she's a nice looking girl too. I don't, I don't look at those things, but no, she is. She's a wonderful girl and a great young lady and a very good reporter. She's done a great job covering the flyers. I'm not sold on hot Scott, Scott Hartnell yet. I'm not sold on him yet. Uh, not just cause I was a huge fan of Chris Terrian, who I think got kind of a, a bum deal getting let go. Uh, I just don't think Hartnell has the energy yet. And he's so far playing it safe. He's, uh, his analysis is okay, but just the the enthusiasm isn't quite there yet. And I just think he's, you know, being careful not to take any chances or say 
anything too egregious to upset anybody. Uh, Chris Terry and I think told it like it was, and maybe that's why he's not there anymore. I don't know. Right. Well, and you know, and I don't know that Scott has a whole lot of broadcasting experience, so he may just be kind of dipping his toes in. Uh, what I mean, I think his analysis is really good, and the, the rest will probably come in time, I think, especially if he's really kind of new at this. Well, yeah, I'm sure he will get better. And, you know, let me go back to uh, a similar situation. When the Phillies brought Ricky Batalico onto their uh, pre- and post-game several years ago, the first year he was on, I didn't like him. I didn't think he did a great job. I thought he looked like a deer in the headlights because, I mean, he does have those, you know, staring eyes sometimes, but he just looked like he was, you know, kind of scared and not always sure what to say. But now everybody loves Ricky Bowe, and so do I. He does a great job. So I'm sure Scott Hartnell will get better, and maybe he'll even get the Chet seal of approval in a year or two. Well, there you go. One, one thing's for sure, they don't have Ricky Bowe filtered. No, definitely not. <laughs> Love Ricky Bo. Yeah, that's right. Well, and speaking of Ricky Bo, the the Phillies have added some uh, back end help. Sam Coonrod, Coonrod, Jose Alvarado, and now Archie Bradley. Uh, they have to be better than last year. And uh, what about Archie Bradley uh, calling for JT? Sign JT. I love it. I love it. Let's see. Now, let's not get too overly excited about Coonrod. He's a 28-year-old right-hander who had Tommy John surgery in 2019. He did pitch pretty well then in 2019, but was not very good at all in last year's short season. I do like them taking a chance on that Jose Alvarado, who spent the last several years with the Rays. Don't let his 2-15 and career win-loss record scare you. He's not a bad pitcher. He has a respectable career ERA under 3.5, despite that horrible one-loss record. And he is a hard-throwing lefty who strikes out, get this, 11 per 9 innings. So that's pretty good. He's a strikeout pitcher. Good pickup. As for the guy you mentioned, Archie Bradley, he is another hard-thrower, a big right-hander. He's got that uh, long beard also who strikes out also more than one batter per inning. So all in all, yeah, good additions. And as you said, they got to be better than what we saw last year, uh, which was god-awful, a historically bad bullpen. And, Bill, did we mention Vinny V is back for another go-round? We, we didn't mention it, and we didn't mention it for a reason, Chet. Uh, oh. we, we just can't do that. Hey, let's talk about JT Real Muto, though. Uh, you know, I think the Phils have, have put a quality offer on the table. Uh, if, if nothing else, if he doesn't sign, it's not on the team at this point. They they made a fair offer. Um, it gets the Phillies management off the hook, I think, if uh, if he does not sign here. Yeah, and you know what? It, it may sound like a low ball offer be, when you heard that he was looking for like a $200 million deal or something, but he's a catcher. Catchers typically don't last as long. He's going to be 30 in March, if I remember correctly, and you know, five years puts him at 35. So I think five years is the perfect length. I think he can live on $100 million. Um, He probably wants you know more like 150 Maybe they can find some middle ground and work it out. I would do the deal if we can get him for, you know, five years and 120 or whatever. Would love to have him back. You know, Bryce wants him back. Uh, the new guys like Archie Bradley want him there. So uh, pitchers know what he's like behind the plate. So, yeah, let's get it done. And that'll maybe get some enthusiasm for the Phillies season, too. Yeah, and, and it may not be a low ball offer as much as it's what the market is bearing at this time. You know, you didn't play yeah. last year in front of fans. You might not play this year in front of fans. The market is what it is, and uh, you know if you're putting thirty, forty thousand uh, in the in the seats every night, it's a little different story. I hope they get it done. Hey, one other thing on the Phillies, I didn't read the story, but I saw a headline for a story yesterday that the Phillies maybe are considering giving Odubel Herrera a second chance. Is that true? I probably saw the same article that you saw, and I did see that. Um, and you know what? If he if he has taken care of his public dues and paid his debt to society, however, I don't even know where he's been or what he's doing. Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. No, yeah. whether, he's, whether he's good enough to play or not, that's a whole different story. Yeah, uh, who knows? Um, but yeah, like you said, if he's stayed in shape and you know has something to offer. <sighs> Give him a shot anyway. Don't, you know, sign him right away. I don't even know what the contract situation is, but consider it. But talk to him first, see where his head's at and where he is physically, and maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah, he's got to earn his way. But I have no problem with giving him a shot. What the heck?
All right, uh, Chet. Random no! Chet. Oh, there you go. We're ringing the bell, Bill. You know what that means. Random Chet time. <laughs> that's Whatever quite a bell. That is. <laughs> yeah, if you heard the bell, that's my new thing. Random Chet. When I decide to ring the bell, it's random Chet. And uh, I apologize in advance for this one, Bill. I'm pretty sure that in our six and three quarter years of doing this show, I've never said the word vagina on here. But I saw this story yesterday and I just had to repeat it for folks who maybe somehow didn't see it. As you may know, Gwyneth Paltrow is an actress. She also has a company, a lifestyle brand called Goop. And just over a year ago, she began selling a scented candle that's called, yes, This Candle Smells Like My Vagina. It is a hot seller, by the way. Uh, let's see. I think I actually have a picture of it here. Let's see. Is this it? Yeah, yeah, there it is. Uh, the real thing. Uh, we got word on Monday, though, that one of those $75 candles, yeah, 75 bucks, which I don't have, by the way, uh, one of those candles exploded in the woman, in the home, rather, of a woman in the UK, not in the woman, uh, in her home. As she put it, the candle exploded and emitted huge flames with the bits flying everywhere. She is okay, I can assure you. And let's just be thankful, Bill, that it was that candle that exploded and not this one because she has another candle. And if you can see it on the screen, I'm not going to read that one. But if that one exploded, that could have quite the explosion. And, Bill, uh -huh. I double-checked. Both of those candles are available on goop.com, $75 a piece if you want to get one for the missus. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of speechless. Top that, uh, Sherman. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, the only thing that comes to my mind with that is does Gwyneth Paltrow just need some attention? <laughs> I mean, are you are you buying a candle because of that? Those names? I mean, do they really smell that way? I wouldn't know. I I can't say. Uh, how about? <laughs> like avocado or pineapple or something you know and, i mean you know since since these came up for sale last year of course there have been a lot of other you know people with alternative smelling candles which i'm not going to mention but you could only imagine but i've seen various memes and things on the internet so look that up if you're you know i i, really I won't I, okay. I won't maybe right. maybe someone listening could uh give us some feedback but it won't <laughs> i promise it won't come back for me oh my I, I just threw that in there that was that that was certainly random random chat right there yeah, yeah yeah that was random chat that's for sure <laughs> well hey uh did want to talk for a second before we get towards the end uh another passing of a baseball hall of famer this week in uh, or yesterday i guess it was at don sutton just 75 years old chet uh that list of Hall of Famers that's passing away is really getting out of hand. Yeah, and he wasn't even as old as some of the other guys. He was, what, 75? 75, 75. Which, when I was 30, sounded ancient. But, you know, now that we're the age we are, 75 doesn't sound quite that old anymore. Uh, yeah, that's a shame. He was a great pitcher. For, into perspective, Steve Carlton is 76. Yeah, there you go. So, great pitcher, certainly pitched for several teams. And how about Leslie Goodell posting that picture when she was a, a young kid and got to, you know, play behind him at shortstop or whatever and uh, still had the picture all these years later. So, that was pretty cool to see from Leslie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's uh, – I guess it's about – it's the circle of life, right? These guys are getting older. We're not getting any older. And they're, you know, <laughs> I don't know what to do about that. Here's to eternal youth, Bill. Absolutely. Hey, Chet, let's uh, give a quick, take a quick break and thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia for all the Philly teams and more. They have 11 line Razzes, mystery boxes, and now a memorabilia shop as well. Check out their Facebook page, like them or follow them. It's PPCC 118 Razroom and PPCC 118 Razroom Shop. 
on Facebook. Hey, Bill, you know what? Uh, there's a bunch of birthdays that I, I want to mention at this point. I guess we were all fans of this guy when we were younger. George Burns, the legendary great comedian who lived to 100 years old, would have been 125 today. When I was a little kid, I used to stay up real late and at like 2 in the morning, they would have the Burns and Allen show on from like the 1950s, I guess, you know, he and Gracie. And when I was a kid, I used to love watching that late at night. So George Burns, one of my favorite, he had a hit single with uh, I Wish I Was 18 Again when he was like, you know, in his 80s. And uh, he was also in the movie Oh God, which was quite good. So George Burns would have been 125 today. Paul Stanley of Kiss celebrating birthday number 69 today. Rain Wilson, who played Dwight on The Office, is 55. Philly-born musician Questlove of The Roots is 50. And one of our listeners who follows us on Instagram, Margaret D'Antonio, is celebrating a birthday today, too. So she actually said, mention that on the air tonight. So I did. So, Margaret, happy birthday to you. And, Bill, we have to mention it or we'd be fired if we didn't this guy right here celebrating birthday number 32 today nick Foles. there you go happy birthday nick uh you will never be forgotten in the city of brotherly love right absolutely absolutely and by the way is it i would have thought paul stanley was close to 125 69 yeah i thought he was a little older too but no. Oh, you know, the other day, Bill, this lady, how about this lady? Betty White turned 99 on Sunday. Who doesn't love Betty White? I hope she lives another 99 years. God bless I, Betty White. I thought she was going to be up there on the top of your list. I knew. I about that. forgot to write her down, but I had the picture here and I saw it. I was, oh, yeah, Betty White was 99 on Sunday. There you go. Hey, let's uh, let's jump back over and talk a little bit football, Chet. Let's make some predictions. Ooh. Let's make some predictions. Packers, Bucks, Chiefs. Bills. Brandon surprised me with his picks. Well, who you got? I got the Packers. They're at home. Packers have to win that one at home. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Tom Brady, but I don't dislike him as much as a lot of Eagles fans do just because he's a Patriot and he, you know, is seen, seen as being obnoxious to a lot of people. He's a great quarterback, obviously the greatest of all time, but uh, I don't really care who wins, but I'm, predicting that the Packers will win that one. Who do you have in that one? Uh, I am going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, you know, I, that home field advantage means nothing, really, uh, except it is supposed to be snowing, I think, up there a little bit, or it's going to be cold. But that's not a Brady thing. Brady's play. it's not. These aren't your daddy's Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think uh, I, I'm going to stick with Brady. I think he's got a ton of weapons. Uh, they're going to run the football. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Fournette played well the other night, so uh, they they have a bunch of weapons. They're going to be pretty good. And and that game the other night against Drew Brees, uh, they won that game on defense. They got three turnovers there yeah. that uh, all were important. And Brady, you know, you you set Brady up, he takes care of business, and that's what they did. And uh, whether they can come back and play that well on defense again, I don't know. Uh, we'll find out. But Aaron Rodgers has been great, probably the MVP of the season. Uh, there's no slouch, but uh, it's it's going to be a great, great game. I yeah, think. looking forward to that one. And I'm telling you, the other game could be a very good one too. Buffalo and Kansas City. I got to be honest. I don't really care who wins this one because I like both teams. I mean, we like what's going on with Buffalo and, you know, Josh Allen and Sean McDermott. Uh, they're the upstart. They're, they got a lot of great fans right now. Um, Kansas City, of course, won it last year. Big Red coaching them, looking for a second title. I, I won't be upset with whoever wins that game, but I'll tell you this. Whoever does win it, I'll be rooting for them in the Super Bowl. Uh, my prediction, oh, man. I'm going to take, uh, take Buffalo in the upset, and I don't know why, just a hunch. Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> I, just, I just think, now, obviously, if Mahomes doesn't play, it's a, it's a big oh, yeah. different story. But uh, I, I think that uh, – they're they're the king until they're not the king and until somebody knocks them off and Mahomes is he's on another planet when he's playing so uh, I'm going to stick with them and uh, I think they're they've got speed all over the field Tyree Hill is a freak um, so I, I'm going to go Kansas City and and then we'll talk we'll talk about the Super Bowl down the road but uh, yeah I'm going Chiefs and and Bucks so we're both we're different on both games how about that. 
Write that down. (laughs) All right. Make make a note. All right. What do you have? Uh, You have a parting shot tonight? I do indeed, Bill. So let's get to it. Uh, Here we go. On February 25th, Bill, on February 25th, 1964, in Miami, the boxer then known as Cassius Clay beat Sonny Liston to become heavyweight champion. Later that night, Clay got together with three other legends at an Overtown Motel, football great Jim Brown, activist Malcolm X, and singer-songwriter Sam Cooke. Now, not a whole lot is known for a fact about, you know, what these four guys did while they were hanging out together, these four history-making figures. But the meetup was the basis of a 2013 play by Kemp Powers, which was then made into a movie last year with first-time director Regina King. And what we get is a thought-provoking film about, without knowing for sure exactly what went down, what was almost certainly an interesting night. These four intelligent and influential African-American figures of the early and mid-1960s talking about civil rights and their duties as public figures, as well as discussions about music and Malcolm X's passion for photography and, yes, vanilla ice cream. To be honest, there's not a whole lot of action in the movie, but it is nevertheless gripping, and the acting is phenomenal. Aldous Hodges as Jim Brown, Kingsley Benadire as Malcolm X, Leslie Odom Jr. of Hamilton fame as Sam Cooke, and Eli Gorey as a 22-year-old Cassius Clay. Now, of course, less than a year later, Sam Cooke and Malcolm X were both dead, both murdered, in fact. Jim Brown retired after the 1965 season to focus on his movie career, and, well, we all know Muhammad Ali's story. So One Night in Miami is the name of the movie. It will no doubt get some love from the Academy in this year's delayed award season. It is available on Amazon Prime Video and well worth watching. The Chet grade for One Night in Miami, A-. minus. All right. So there and, you go. Okay. Where, where can you watch this? Amazon Prime Video. So if you have Amazon Prime, you have Prime Video. And uh, I've watched a few things on there, and this one is well worth watching. Okay. And, and this would have been in the theaters had the theaters been open, is it? Yeah, it was in you know limited release in December to qualify for the awards, and it just arrived on Amazon last Friday, the 15th. So uh, Glenn Mack now, I know, watched it last Friday also and reviewed it on the Glenn and Ray show on Saturday. He also loved it, also gave it an A-. And, yeah, it's definitely worth seeing, especially for the acting. These guys were all amazing. And uh, just the discussion that, you know, we imagine that they would have had spending several hours together that night. Very interesting. Sounds like it will be uh, historical. Absolutely. And I watched it on Martin Luther King Day, so good timing on my part. Good deal. Anything else before we wrap it up? Today is National Disc Jockey Day, so a shout-out to all the great disc jockeys out there. I was a DJ on the radio. I was pretty mediocre. I also did weddings as a DJ back in the mid-1980s. I was okay getting people to do the hokey pokey and all that stuff. Uh, Not my claim to fame, though. Uh, I'm more of a news and sports guy, but... To all the disc jockeys out there, like Pierre Robert and others, happy and a disc candle connoisseur. What's that? And a candle connoisseur, as we found out <laughs> yes. tonight. A candle connoisseur for sure. Who knew? Who knew? We have to, we have to mention that again. <laughs> Apparently, let's wrap one, it up. One final thing, Bill. Next week, by the time we have our show next week with Mike Sealski, uh, it'll be a day after the Baseball Hall of Fame announces its uh, voting results, and we'll know if Kurt Schilling and others are getting into the hall this year. Should be interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, one thing about that, we'll talk about this next week. Schilling, you know, has gotten in trouble again, uh, but the oh, votes yeah. were already in. So, right. See, we'll see how that all goes and, uh, you know, leave the sports and the politics apart. It, it does, doesn't work out that way. Wrap it up, Bill. All right. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Brandon Lee Gelton. Our sponsor is the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Fox Radio Next Wednesday, January 27th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook or listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, on Google Podcasts, as well as Apple Podcasts and others. So with that, high hopes, Philadelphia sports fans.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.